to what extent do we want to grow. Being self-funded, we have the option to sit back and keep Format as a sort of lifestyle business. And if we don't grow, we won't be able to continue to meaningfully invest in our product and remain relevant and competitive. Growth is actually imperative to our sustainability. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. I'm your host, Shabam Data, at Shabam on Twitter. If this is your first episode, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. For those returning listeners, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you've subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on whichever platform you're hearing this now. It would mean so much to me and help spread the stories of these amazing finance leaders we feature on The Backbone. On to the show today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jessica Katz, Director of Finance at Format. Based in Toronto, Format is a design-focused website builder that allows artists and creators to showcase their work beautifully while providing the tools to help uncover new opportunities. At Format, Jessica oversees all finance operations. Prior to Format, Jessica worked at DHX Media, where she helped oversee financial reporting and analysis for the multinational public company. Before DHX, Jessica worked as a senior financial analyst at Wave. Jessica received her CACPA designations while with Ernst & Young and graduated from Dalhousie University, where she received her Bachelor of Commerce. And so without further ado, here's Jessica Katz, Director of Finance at Format. Hey, Jessica, thanks for joining me on The Backbone. How's it going? It's going good. How are you, Shabam? Good, thanks. Well, we've got lots to you know get through on the show and uh, wanted to dive right into it. You began your career with EY, and from there you moved into tech, first with Wave and then at DHX Media before taking on your current role at Format as the Director of Finance. So walk me through that journey into tech and finance and how it all started for you. Sure, sure. So I uh, I did the commerce co-op program at Dow, uh, and I got my first co-op term at Ernst and Young, and uh, I sort of kept returning for the reigning of my co-op terms. Uh, and eventually, uh, once I graduated, I was offered a full-time job out of university. I sort of never really intended on uh, becoming an accountant as a sort of twenty-year-old, twenty-something-year-old. Didn't really know sort of what I wanted to do. So I took this opportunity um, and I started Ernst Young in uh, public practice and started from there. Uh, I kind of always saw it uh, working in public accounting as as a bit of a a means to an end uh, or a means at least to get my CA and sort of figure it out from there. Uh, And I I stuck with it and I was at EY for a few years. Uh, I got my CA and got some really great experience along the way. Uh, pretty pretty shortly after I got my CA, I left and took the year to just recalibrate and figure out what I really wanted to do and what direction I wanted to go with my career. And uh, during that year, I helped some friends open up a pizzeria in Toronto and I uh, sort of worked in the pizzeria hands-on, uh, helped them start up their business. And, and uh, yeah, it was fun. I really loved the excitement uh, and the sort of creativity and the all hands on deck vibe of 
small sort of new business. And I think that this did, uh, it definitely influenced my direction that I ultimately took with my career. I, uh, a friend of mine, Bram, who you know from Shopify, uh, he introduced me to the VP of finance at Wave. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did end up taking an accounting role at Wave. And then uh, shortly afterwards, moved into an FP&A role there, which was super interesting to me and really opened my eyes to the different type of role uh, that finance can play in tech and also the breadth of a finance function in general in any organization. Uh, and I got some really interesting and valuable experience in that role. And I worked, I worked really hard there, uh, you know, as with many venture-backed startups that have gone through a few rounds. It was sort of a really exciting and also a tough ride. And eventually, I sort of wanted to take a step back. Uh, and at that point, I uh, moved to DHX, which is a pretty large public media company. Uh, and I took a role that was more on the reporting side. Uh, and it was really great uh, for a while, got really interesting experience. Um, but with sort of a, a big, uh, working at a big company, it was a bit, a bit siloed in that role. And I ultimately did feel like I missed the excitement and the challenges of working in a, in a smaller and business and sort of a faster paced environment. And I eventually found this role at Format. So a friend of mine who's a photographer and a Format user pointed me to this role. Really liked what the company was all about. I feel like it aligned with my personal interests um, interest in design and sort of creative side. And I started as a controller at Format and uh, since then have moved into the director of finance role. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's a really cool journey for sure. So for those of us who are not as familiar with Format, uh, tell me a bit about the, the company and what is, it, what is it all about? Sure. Uh, so Format is a website builder for photographers and artists. It's design focused and it helps artists build and showcase their portfolios beautifully and, and share them however they want. It's a subscription-based service and we also offer some some proofing and a store and some other handy tools for photographers and artists. Nice. Yeah, we were founded in 2010 by uh, Tyler Rooney and Lucas Raja, who are still, you know, owner operators. And uh, we've been bootstrapped since day one. Uh, we work uh, and are located headquarters in Parkdale in Toronto. We have a pretty small uh, team of sort of artists, designers, developers, uh, professionals, all kinds of backgrounds, and we work pretty closely together. It's a, it's a cool collaborative environment. We have four stated core values, which are impact, care, trust, and simplicity, and we try to echo these values with our products uh, and our outlook and our team. That's great. And so um, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the the bootstrapped aspect of format that you mentioned. Um, sure. So, you know, boot, um, fully bootstrapped and having not raised any outside capital in this type of company, what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you face as a finance leader? Yeah, sure. So it, that's right. We, we, um, we're fully bootstrapped. We don't have the typical sort of stakeholders with uh, tech startups. So we, we kind of have the flexibility to focus on reporting and metrics that are really meaningful to us. 
Um, there's definitely two sides to that coin. Like on the one hand, uh, we're not tied to reporting on certain set of metrics and we're not held to these rigid targets. So for example, if we're not meeting a certain target or goal, we can actually take the time to understand what's really going on uh, and adjust course if we need to, or even decide that that metric doesn't necessarily make sense anymore for us, for what we're trying to accomplish. So it, it takes the pressure off a bit and it frees up capacity to focus on our product and our team. And without that pressure that some businesses face with external investors, I think that we do have more freedom to be exploratory in our, in our strategy and in our planning. On the other side of that coin, we don't have the resources or capital that external investors can provide, which is, is just kind of objectively limiting. So for example, if we wanted to grow a lot very quickly, we can't necessarily sort of engineer that. Uh, and in my role, we sort of consistently need to remind our peers of that. And we, we do pay close attention to capital efficiency metrics. Being bootstrapped, getting timely and uh, predictable return on our spend is, is critical for us. It, it works for us. It makes us scrappier. And I think we work smarter and uh, more creatively because of it. And it's definitely uh, a source of pride for us. Nice, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, running a business is is not an easy feat, regardless of the capital structure, but especially a 100% bootstrap company is, is definitely not easy. And so that's, that's uh, really refreshing to hear that. Um, are there certain metrics that you're really keen on? You mentioned in capital efficiency metrics uh, that a venture backed company may not be are there some examples of that? I, I ask you because you've seen it on the other side with uh, being at a venture-backed company before. And so just curious to get your feedback on that. Yeah, for sure. We pay really close to, uh, attention to our cost of acquisition, um, our payback period, our LTV to CAC ratio. Those are, those are things we pay really close attention to. And we have sort of uh, guardrails in there that we try to stay stay in. We look at some metrics that are, or, or sort of a lot of metrics that are typical of SaaS companies, I think, like the lifetime value, um, average revenue per user. We're always looking um, at profit profitability versus growth, our cash burn, all the typical metrics um, and more. Uh, so something that's a bit unique to us is that we focus on segmented data and we segment our user base um, and look at LTVs and payback and, and different metrics based on different types of customers. So based on their profession or their stage in the career or are they you know, a student or what type of artist are they? Um, so we're really data driven in that sense. And we pool data from a lot of different resources and, and internal sources. So between like our sign-up flow and our um, customer success interactions. So we have a lot of different tags on Intercom that we can actually report on. Um, you know, what sort of what choices they make within the platform. Um, we use like all these sort of resources to pool data and uh, understand our customers. And that makes sense. And so uh, when you talk, I, I want to dive deeper into the segmentation piece of it. As you think about the segments and as the business grows and evolves over time, um, do you 
look back and say, okay, it's time to rethink the segments? Or um, how do you go about kind of chunking up the business into segments? You, you touched on some of these in terms of like the profession that they're in, or maybe if they're a student and things like this. But um, are like, do you look at segmentation from a perspective of, let's say, um, customers who have been with format for X amount of time, and we like segment them as like power users, or I'm curious to, to hear about, about that. Yeah, definitely. We we sort of, I, I think the, the best example of that, that we've sort of gone through recently is focusing on a, a certain type of profession. I think we've always had a user base that was uh, majority or, or heavily weighted towards photographers, but we were, we had a direction that was targeting um, artists in general. Uh, and we noticed that the photographers were our, were our, our sort of best examples of users. Um, and we sort of shifted our marketing and like our product focus to be uh, photography focused. Uh, and within the photography profession, we look at, you know, like wedding photographers, uh, editorial, and we, we, we sort of try to target those, those different types of uh, customers um, differently. And we sort of assign different, uh, a metric to those different types of users. From a financial reporting standpoint, you touched on this briefly, but how do you manage the financial reporting aspect when there are no outside stakeholders? And so I'll give you an example, like, you know, a VC backed company, you have quarterly board meetings, and you have to prepare board packages and all of this, but like, maybe you have board meetings as well. But the since there are no outside stakeholders, like, how does financial reporting, if at all, uh, differ at format versus a venture back company? Yeah, I would say there isn't a huge difference for us. Um, I think one thing that since I, I came on board at Format, uh, I think I've pushed for and implemented is is having that sort of uh, disciplined close of our monthly financial uh, statements and and, um, and our, our cycle of accounting. So we do um, work towards a 15-day close and we present our, our performance and, and how uh, and our results of the month at our leadership meetings uh, each month. Yeah. So even though there aren't, you know, external investor stakeholders or things like this, there's still financial reporting that's involved in the business. It's just, uh, and it looks like you've done a great job of, of maintaining a, a certain cadence and making sure books are closed and within 15 days and things like that. And so it, it's not like just because it's a bootstrap company, it's a free for all in finance. Right. We, we try to keep it. We, yeah, we try to keep our reporting pretty tight and uh, consistent month over month. Uh, switching gears a little bit now and, and talking about, um, you know, balancing profitability uh, or break even and growth as a bootstrapped company. And so how do you think about kind of competition that have raised a lot of venture capital and funding that, that compete with you and can afford to outspend you? Like, how do you balance all of that? Uh, that's, it's interesting. The, the balance of profitability, um, it's, it's definitely ongoing and, and it's sort of a, a fluid thing. I just had a, a pretty interesting conversation with Tyler, one of our co-founders about this the other day. Um, and, and I periodically and sort of often think about this question, which is, to what extent do we want to grow? So being self-funded, we have the option to sit back and keep format as a sort of uh, quote-unquote lifestyle business and 
not necessarily grow tremendously, but were sort of profitable and, and happy. And he reminded me of something which has really resonated with me. And he said that sort of, if we don't grow, we won't be able to continue to meaningfully invest in our product and remain relevant and competitive. So in that sense, growth is actually imperative to our sustainability. Uh, and we do want to grow meaningfully and we want to hit certain revenue targets and, and we're not afraid to uh, spend within that and sort of eat into our profitability to get there. Um, that said, we, we take a probably more measured approach as we have limited capital resources uh, and we look inward and have to probably be a bit more um, creative and scrappy and coming up with strategies to continue to grow up, to uh, drive growth. And, you know, we're established enough being around for 10 years almost to have a pretty solid uh, recurring revenue foundation that there's definitely uh, some room to take risks. And uh, in terms of our competition, I think, and, and sort of the competition being able to outspend us, I, I think we're fine with that. We know our capital limit. Uh, I think we do thrive on the freedom and flexibility that not having the venture back allows us. And we've differentiated and, and we... Got, we have to continue to differentiate ourselves from our big competitors and we're focused on that um, and we focus on you know providing an amazing product so meeting uh, the needs of photographers specifically and providing them with an amazing product uh, including sort of you know outstanding customer success and and the best features and you know especially nowadays with the the all the news all over about we work and, and companies just growing at all costs i think there's a lot of respect um, towards companies that are growing sustainably whether it be break even or slightly profitable and, and taking calculated and measure measured approach um to their growth so that's truly commendable and again refreshing to hear that last question here before we jump into our quickfire round and so in your opinion what's the biggest misconception about the finance function within a technology company um when i saw this question my my mind went to something that a consultant used to say and he said you don't want to become uh, the business prevention department. I think that this is a misconception that a lot of sort of people have that this role is sort of just to scrutinize or to limit spend. Uh, but really, you know, it's not the case uh, at all. Although maybe sometimes it becomes the case. But anyways, uh, I think that finance is ultimately a support function for the business across all the departments. Uh, and whether it's analyzing past performance or forecasting um, and planning uh, and making larger strategic decisions, a lot of the fundamental, the fundamental information for decision-making comes from finance. Uh, and we have a lot of tools to help make these meaningful and thought-out decisions, like understanding the payback um, and modeling return on investment with with some real assumptions. Great. And and so that I love the way that you described that or, or the consultant described as don't become a business prevention um, <laughs> part of the, the company. That's really cool. I've I haven't heard it described so eloquently before. And so <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm thinking I'm gonna use that again. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> rings true. So what I'd love to do now is jump into our quick fire round. The way this works is I'll ask you some questions. You have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, so let's do it. What's your go-to online resource for all things startup finance or growth finance related? 
Uh, I would say definitely the David Scott and his blog for more of the theoretical stuff. Uh, there's mm -hmm. also um, ChartMobile, the data visualization and, yep. and metrics tool that we use. They have a weekly newsletter. I think it's called the uh, Roundup that is sent out on Friday morning. And it's just brief and digestible and has a lot of interesting insights. Nice. Awesome. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, definitely familiar with David Scott's uh, For Entrepreneurs blog. It's a good one. Uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? Uh, we use Asana at uh, Format and it's a sort of team-based uh, workflow management tool and you can create tasks with it um, with due dates for yourself, uh, for others. You can assign it priority. Um, you can put it into a certain team's queue at, at whatever priority you'd like. So, you know, if someone asks me to do something and I'm busy, I just get them to make me a task. I, I make tasks for myself all the time just to make sure I'm not sort of dropping the ball on anything right. uh, and sort of prioritizing things appropriately. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? I always go through my calendar for the next day and, and make sure I'm prepared. Um, yeah, do any any sort of meeting prep um, for the, the next couple of days. And I guess checking your asana too. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. What's the uh, one tech jargon that makes you cringe? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't pay too much attention to the jargon. I, I think that mostly just makes me laugh. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, what's the best advice you've received so far in your career? I think it would be um, from my mom who would always just say, find your niche. Like I myself didn't always think there was a place for me in finance and accounting, especially early in my career in public accounting. But uh, thankfully, I pushed through and got the interesting experiences that I sought out. And I, I've sort of landed in a place where I do really love the work that I do and I, I find it very rewarding. So find your niche. That's awesome. That's great advice for sure. Well, thanks, Jessica. Really appreciate this uh, this conversation. Learned a lot um, from it, and definitely interesting perspectives, uh, especially sharing your thoughts on you know being the finance leader at a bootstrapped company and comparing and contrasting that with your time at, at a venture backed company. Some of the specific metrics that are important uh, in in this setting versus a venture backed one, and as well as finding out about how format is balancing profitability and, and growth as a bootstrap company. So really appreciated this. And thanks again for the time. Thank you. It was awesome. All right. Take care. Bye now. You too. Bye. And that wraps up another episode of The Backbone. What an awesome conversation with Jessica Katz, Director of Finance at Format. Check out some of the other awesome finance leaders featured on The Backbone from companies like Ecobee, Wealthsimple, League, and many more. Thank you for listening all the way through and joining me on this journey inside finance at a tech company. Until next time, take care.